Star Trek podcast in which two Star Trek nerds and a Star Trek noob watch all of Star Trek chronologically. My name is PJ Montgomery and I am joined by Matt Troy. Hello. And Elliot Red. Good day. Or good night. We don't know when you're listening to this. Good point. <laughs> I'll stick with hello. This week we are looking at Rogue Planet, season one, episode 17 or 18 of Enterprise, depending again on Broken Bow, one or two episodes. This one is a story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Chris Black, teleplay by Chris Black, and was directed by Alan Croker. And we're just going to go straight into it. And it opens with Archer trying to squeeze out a fart from the looks of things. <laughs> or trying to hold one in. Yeah. He's just sitting on his chair looking uncomfortable, very much like there's a wind problem. Kind of be both. <laughs> trying to hold one in and squeeze one out <laughs> yeah why not it's space he's man. got two farts and he really wants to keep one but the other one is just too many one fart leaves his anus traveling at 25 miles an hour traveling to chicago <laughs> from outer space see, see just how fast we got off of the episode and onto this oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just can't leave her alone <laughs> Uh, and if he shits on his chair, then Malcolm has to clean it. <laughs> yeah, that's the rules. <laughs> all right, we hit all the quotas. <laughs> and then you get, he says, the Vulcans have their portraits on the walls of the high command. And I'm like, what do you fucking think, John? Of course they don't. It's not fun there. It's not fun at the Vulcan high command. There's no pictures of anyone. Because, yes, it turns out he's posing for photos that Trip is taking for posterity. I guess. And there is a moment as well where he turns to Trip and says, give it a rest, Trip. That's what his mouth says. But his face is saying, Trip, keep taking photos of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they get a message or they get a notification that there's a rogue planet. And immediately they say, or Jonathan Archer says, let's go and kick it over. <laughs> <laughs> So a rogue planet, apparently, is a planet that has broken out of its orbit. So I wanted to know if this could actually happen. So I messaged our official science correspondent, Dr. Andy, Dr. Andy Porwitzki, and I said, is the idea of a sunless planet that nevertheless supports life due to extreme geothermal vents possible? And he said, Hypothetically, yes, though there likely wouldn't be big leafed plants everywhere, more likely it would be giant fungus. The theory of rogue planets is that they get kicked out of their parent star systems, so if life evolved under the more favourable conditions, it could theoretically survive the ejection. Oh, you know what? I actually had those written down as notes. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm very sorry that I stepped on your notes. That's okay. I mean, I didn't really go too much into the fungus thing. I just said mm -hmm. maybe fungus. Um, but... <laughs> 
but the rest of it I had in there, so I'm kind of pleased that that, that works. Um, the real question is, why was this Rogue Planet kicked out of its parent system? Uh, <laughs> For doing drugs? Yeah, it was just doing big, huge lines of moon dust and <laughs> not going to, yeah. yeah, oh, that's the big stuff. And not going to Planet College. <laughs> yeah, I had. Why are there? Pl- why are there plants? Animals, maybe fungus, maybe, but plants, no. That was my note. Yeah, because they go to the planet and there's a whole big jungle there. And because they're in a jungle, they have to start talking about being scouts. And it turns out Archer and Malcolm were both scouts and they start comparing how many merit badges they have because merit badges are penises now? Well, this this went on a couple of scenes in a row that they made sure to make note of Malcolm belittling Archer. He first when he's trying to land the shuttle in in the forest, and Malcolm goes, "Proof is in the pudding, sir." Blah, land the shuttle, and, and Archer just looks over his shoulder. And then they have the next scene where again the merit badges are brought up, and Malcolm goes, "That's not bad, sir." <laughs> wouldn't want to be you though. Mm, walks kind of off. Got, like to Paul to say in the background, of course you are both scouts, you're incorrigible now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, just, it just feels like after we've had an episode recently, Shuttlepod 1, in which Malcolm is all about that duty and, oh, an officer must look his best, I've got to shave, and no, I can't drink, I'm on duty. And now he's basically saying, hey, hey, superior officer, wank, uh. <laughs> he's, he's badge cucking him, that's what he's doing. <laughs> Oh, and then they, everybody then has to make sure that they're wearing their sinister green glowing monocles. Oh. <laughs> yes. Why do they glow? Because night vision. But like night vision doesn't glow. It does in fiction. Because it, it's not. It's a torch. That's what that is. <laughs> it's an eye. Not only that, it's an <laughs> indicator of exactly where you are in the dark. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't know if you've seen Splinter Cell, but. That series is ripped on because the dude always has a glowing light on his forehead when he's supposed to be a stealth assassin. <laughs> but like, but also, you know, uh, some kind of like eye device giving off light is the same as a listening device that makes noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, in the dark, you'd just be seeing the green glow in front of your eye and nothing yeah. else. Yeah, like we can do that now. Bright. We can literally have night vision goggles now as effective as those ones, but they don't glow green. It is that. Why, why a monocle as well? Why, why don't you want night vision in both your eyes? Well, here's the <laughs> no. thing. They look, at, they look really reminiscent of, I don't know how much you guys have seen of Dragon Ball Z, but Dragon Ball Z Almost Scouters. There's, there's an infamous oh. meme on the internet of a guy going over 9,000 relating to the power levels on the specific scouters that these scouters in star trek literally if you google dragon ball z scouter it, on a character it looks nigh on identical they're often green over one eye and like the design of them in this show really is reminiscent of them i have seen this from the meme yeah i don't know if they're purposefully trying to actually reference these scouters or if they just went for a weird one eye design just by chance in, I don't know why they did this, but it's the immediate first thing that I thought of when I saw them. Yeah. At first, I wondered if they'd just taken those like home battles of laser tag you could buy in the late 90s. That oh, you had the a, Sega like, Lock-On. 
Yeah, which also had like a just a one eye patch that would go over for shooting your friends and just painted that green. But then later in the episode, I noticed that they actually look more like call center headsets where they've chopped (laughs) off the ear bit and just put on a bit of green plastic. I mean, it it looked like a toy that I would see on Nickelodeon in the 90s. Yeah. Have we ragged on their night vision monocles enough? Only enough to move on to the next ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they get attacked by some aliens who are there on the planet in a campsite, three of them, and then they go, oh, it's all right, let's be friends instead, and that's all fine. But you know it's not going to go well because one of them has a really sinister voice. That is Keith Sarabashka, who always plays a villain, or sometimes Wolverine in voice acting. Oh, Oh, cool. That's interesting. Yes, uh, very, very distinctive voice because he has the ability to or it, his voice has the distinction of being very low in pitch without actually giving off much bass, which is what gives him that sinister villain tone. Because it doesn't, it isn't booming, but it is low and uh, sinister still. So I, I feel like he wants to sell me cigars in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, he probably does. <laughs> yeah, he's very gravelly as well, isn't he? Yeah, and, yeah. and like that's it. just that guy's natural voice. Yeah, it, it, it's. I really liked it actually. I mean, it did do the classic Enterprise foreshadowing the villain with a big villain sign above his head, but at the same time, I enjoyed the voice. They they kind of did that with the red rings around the eyes compared to the green glow around the hero's eyes. Like, this was like, yeah, some, like Braga and Berman had been at laser tag, hadn't they? Like that was the weekend <laughs> before. And they were like, you know, it would be really cool if we just did like an episode where they wore laser tag gear. Will they shoot lasers? No. <laughs> Well, they'll drop their guns for sure, but yeah, you know, <laughs> they'll have cool headsets. Yeah, so these aliens, it turns out, are just on this planet to hunt. There are animals in the forest that they like to hunt, and they're allowed to do it like every 20 years or so. They're allowed to go there and, and do a little bit of hunting. Oh, yeah, there's a whole bit. They often kill us. <laughs> oh, great. And then Malcolm's <laughs> like, Captain, I'd like to kill some animals too. Can I go with the men? Well, actually, the first thing he says since he put his own captain down is just, so, your guns. And then immediately just goes, I'd like to see you shoot them. Uh, can I come with you? <laughs> can uh, I okay. shoot their guns? <laughs> yeah, captain, <laughs> I promise I won't shoot at anything that's alive. He he does say, I promise I won't kill anything, sir. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I'll be ever so good. <laughs> and then Archer's just like, if it means that you're not near us for half an hour or so, that's great. Yeah, you go and play guns with the men. <laughs> oh, and you know what? Rewinding rewinding back a little bit. as I think it's as the ship is landing, it zooms in on just like, what I assume is the only shot of the wildlife that we actually see in the episode of a, gl- a glowing insect, like creepy yeah. crawly oh, thing yeah. sort of slithering along. Would have liked to have seen more of this actual cool wildlife in the episode, but I think that's all we see. And the pig thing. Oh yeah, and the the pig creature thing. And yeah, the most unusual pig. <laughs> it is most unusual. It is the most most unusual pig. <laughs> but the the Enterprise away team is allowed to stay in the camp with the hunters, so they all go to sleep. And then Archer hears a woman calling his name, and he goes outside, sees a shape. And then she vanishes. And he tells everyone, I saw a woman! And they're all like, you tripping, man. 
Yeah. Mm. This is like when Bugs Bunny dresses up dynamite as a sexy woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's not like it's not predictable as soon as you see the first sort of thing happen. You're like, oh, well, they're following all the classic beats of character sees thing, thing disappears, tells other characters, no one believes him. Okay, let's go on with the other 30 minutes that are left after this then. <laughs> it's not even a classic thing. They've literally done this before. Yeah, and better. Like I mean, that doesn't six... surprise me. I can imagine that, yeah. It, it's the episode that we all forgot about with the underground people. <laughs> That's not the only one I've forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't think it's even that one. I think it's a different one with a very similar premise. See, I just thought you meant in general uh, in Star Trek before Enterprise. I didn't realize you meant Enterprise. Yeah, I remember they were on that planet and then everyone was like, oh, we can see DePaul talking with aliens. And she's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, oh they were, yeah, they the were rock, camping the then people. as well. Yeah, they were. So when whenever anyone on the Enterprise goes camping, they must hallucinate. That is the rule. <laughs> I mean, that I think pretty much was the rule of camping growing up for me as well, but in a very different way. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, they camp out an awful lot for someone who actually, people actually live in a ship. Like, they can just go and they can come back. They, nobody ever thinks, do you know what we should do? We should get like, um, we should ask Starfleet if they can build like a, a, shuttle, a shuttle pod with a bed in it. <laughs> and then we wouldn't always get injured camping. I mean, they go and come back in the space of this episode. They go back to the ship to get Trip and drop Hoshi yeah. off and come back. Oh, God. And it's this bit as well like where they're kind of having a go at him about seeing like the woman in, in the forest. She was young. Long, blonde hair. She was wearing some kind of a nightgown. A nightgown, sir. Perhaps you were dreaming. It wasn't a dream. She said my name. She knew who I was. And I think I knew her. Sir? There was something about her. I... I've seen her before. On this planet, it's always night. You're surrounded by things you can hear but not see. It can uh, stimulate the imagination. You wouldn't be the first person who looked into the jungle and saw something that wasn't there. She was real. Captain Archer, what are the chances you'd encounter a half-naked woman who you think you know dozens of light years from your home world? Go to sleep. If you're lucky, maybe she'll visit you in your dreams. <laughs> And and like Malcolm is just being chuffed that he's made some creepy friends. <laughs> yeah, there's a moment where he just goes, "Yeah, Archie, you." And Archie says, "Excuse me." <laughs> and Malcolm says, "Oh, sorry, sir." And there's that bit. I think it's he says it's a trip where he goes, hey, "Have you have you ever known me to do anything foolish?" And I'm just like screaming at the screen every single week. You do something stupid. Like I, I literally wrote the note. Archer says, "Have you ever known me to do anything foolish?" And then I wrote, "Elliot might have something to say." 
Oh, I've already said it all in my tirades. <laughs> I don't need to go on another one. He asked that question. I just, I laughed. I was just like, <laughs> oh, I want to see Starfleet's logs. <laughs> but that's it. This episode does just seem to be a lot of hunters doing jokey hunting. Malcolm trying to be one of them. They go hunting. Archer says, I saw a woman. That's... <laughs> Most of this episode, one of the hunters gets injured. They say it's a wraith they're hunting, but they just turn out to be shape-shifting slug things. Yeah. So Archer also mentions that he thinks he knew this woman. Yeah. But as it turns out later on, he didn't know this woman. He, well, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there when we get there. He says he knows her at this point. That's all we know. Also... You'd think at this point as well, given that this has happened a couple of times already, that someone would go, oh, remember when we saw those hallucinogenic aliens in that cave before? Like, it was about five weeks ago, you know? It would be like, it would be like, you know, if we at the beginning of March encountered hallucinogenic aliens in a cave, like, while we were out, and then <laughs> this much time later, we're like... Oh yeah, nothing like this has ever happened before. And then I'm just looking around, going, "No, we definitely saw hallucinogenic <laughs> aliens in a cave like about six weeks ago." But was that just me? What we're doing there, Matt, is gaslighting you. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So yeah, no one believes Archer. Poor Archer. Foolish, foolish yeah. Archer. But one of the hunters is injured, and Archer says we could take him up to the ship and get him looked at there. So they go there and back again, again. Flocks treats him all good, and Archer says, hey, wait a second, that woman said to me they need help, so I think she's one of the things you're hunting, and they must be sentient, so you should stop hunting them. And the hunters go, fuck off. Yeah. Also, is anybody else glad that Malcolm didn't see the aliens, because you might just see, like, a gun with breasts? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) And to Paul... Basically keeps saying to Archer, you've not seen a woman. It's not really a woman. It's going to be one of these alien things. And I have written down here, to Paul, sensible suggestion. Archer, absolutely not. <laughs> yep. Yep. Always the case. This, this dude runs on animal instinct. <laughs> but there's also a point, a weird moment in sickbay where this, this hunter is lying on the bed. And for some reason he's naked now. And Trip walks in and lifts up the blanket to stare at him before putting it back down. No Does reason. He look at the... I did. I missed that. Does he look at the aliens, Johnson? <laughs> he just he just lifts the blanket, has a peek, and then puts it back down. <laughs> I, didn't I also that. missed this. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't hallucinate this because of those spores? Stop gaslighting me. <laughs> I to, trip was it what where, <laughs> trip I might need to watch this scene again. <laughs> that almost sounds like something from like naked gun or something <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking in and going hmm. <laughs> okay well trip gets an eyeful <laughs> but uh flocks also comes up with a compound that can mask these creatures from the hunters so they can't keep hunting them so they spray it the hunters don't get anything, and then Archer speaks to the woman, and that's about it. And she's like, "Thanks for not killing us." By the way, I'm a slug. Oh yeah, and also there's that whole bit where uh, Trip and Archer are talking, and he's like, "Do you know any poems?" And he's like, 
oh, there once was a young lady from Ipswich. And I've been racking my brains to think what rhymes with Ipswich. There once was a young lady from Ipswich who lived in Ipswich. Nothing <laughs> rhymes with Ipswich. I'm going to Google it. Oh, that does rhyme. And maybe that's why he knows it, because it's got his name in it. <laughs> Thick stitch. Lady from if switch. Here we go. Good God. I know these are always terrible. In fact, the second reference on the Google page is Memory Alpha. <laughs> wow. Anyway, Archer says, I know a poem by Yeats, the song of the wandering anus? No. Sorry, I'm reading it off memory <laughs> alpha. <laughs> it's Angus. <laughs> Angus, yeah. If you had the subtitles on in the episode, it is just Angus. But it, is, <laughs> it does have an e, e after the A. The song of the wandering Angus, yes. I found a, a limerick, by the way, if you want to hear this limerick. Go on, Em. It's awful. Just going to warn you. There once was a lady from Ipswich whose sneezing would make her hips twitch. With the pollen count high, her lover would sigh, bewitched by her breech-itching hip switch. Okay. <laughs> That's a limerick about boners. It is a bonery... I mean, it's a limerick, so it's going to be about boners. Anyway, <laughs> Yates. <laughs> well, good for Berman and Braga for getting that one in there. <laughs> It's a, it's a poem that Archer's mum used to read him about a man that catches a fish and the fish turns into a beautiful woman with apple blossoms in her hair. And the woman that the slug's been appearing as is the woman he imagined. Do you know what? In Star Trek, nobody's fucking mother ever reads them like Clifford the Big Red Dog. There's <laughs> always some classical poetry. Like I want, I want Trip Tucker to turn around one day and he's like, Oh, when, when I was a boy, my mom used to read me Bob the Builder. <laughs> I, I want Malcolm Reed. Oh, Malcolm, Ma- yeah. Ma- yeah, Malcolm to go, I can see Roger Redhat. <laughs> I suppose your mother used to read you Dora the Explorer. <laughs> you know Malcolm only ever read, like, Commando magazine, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, he's got a stack of them under his bed. Yeah. What uh, What I really wanted was a realistic uh, reaction from Archer in the scene where the slug lady says, thank you very much for doing something to help us, but not fully stop the people that are going to kill us, just kind of let us hide in fear and you know reverence of this clearly superior race still forever, whatever. It's fine, no matter, it's fine. Uh, and then she turns. She like they don't they don't kiss, do they? They didn't kiss. No, no, no they don't kiss. Okay, thank God. But Archer's reaction. He's not. It's not like these guys are used to aliens. He's not a super lax and chill dude who slept with aliens like Kirk is. He's, he's barely encountered any proper actual animalistic aliens, and the aliens he has encountered have just been dudes in makeup. So he's not entirely used to it. When this lady walks away from him and shapeshifts back into a slug, we should have seen seen him shiver and go oh, uh, like I would have liked this realistically. noise. This is the noise I would have liked to have heard. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's it. That's the episode. There's not a lot there. There really isn't. It's just constant, I saw a lady. No, you didn't. Let's kill an animal. That's the episode. 
<laughs> the the a, the villains in this are super low stake. Yeah. Like they don't do anything. And also, like I think this episode would have been a little bit better if right at the end, Archer had just like handed her like a secret box of guns and then just looked at the camera and winked. <laughs> <laughs> at least we'd have had some closure. I just I feel like if Star Trek's doing an episode on hunting, it needs to come down on one side or the other, because it just it doesn't say anything about it. It's just got you've got Archer saying, Oh, we don't really hunt anymore, and then Malcolm getting a hard on for it. It's like, oh yeah. please may I hunt, sir, please. Yeah. And you know, there's no there's the argument that uh, certain hunters and groups of hunters make and it about, you know, invasive species and, and things like that and these are prime candidates to be discussed on a Star Trek episode about hunting. But oh God, no, yeah. we get none of that. We just get, these guys are hunters. I don't like them. I do. Okay, good. Uh... Oh, yeah, this really did feel like the flattest episode, didn't it? It was. It was a flat soda, wasn't it? For sure. I feel that this is an American show going out to an American audience. Hunting is huge in America, obviously, much bigger than it is here, although hunting obviously is very popular in Britain too. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot more Americans and a lot more different animals and a lot more space to do it. And I just kind of think they thought uh, a lot of like people who watch Star Trek are the sort of guys who watch like Stargate, who like a bit of military stuff going on. And let's just keep the moral of the episode pretty ambiguous because a lot of these guys probably hunt. And that's just what I think they were doing. They were copping out of, of yeah. falling one side or other. It would be weird if Star Trek would be massively pro-hunting, but at the same time, yeah, they, they've literally just copped out. I, I feel like this this episode is one of the ones, because you get a lot of the, um, let's say, the more right-wing Star Trek fans these days who have a go because the show has apparently become woke. And I think that's because episodes like this treated them with kid gloves. Yeah. I, I agree totally. I think that, you know, there's always been, I mean, I know, actually, I know quite a few very right-wing Star Trek fans because hmm. there is the kind of undertone of Star Trek that the future is very much sort of human-orientated and it's all sort of, you know, under control. Like, humans have a federation and there are other aliens in it, but they seem to be the big show of, the, of this federation and they're safe and secure in their big galactic empire that's sort of protected by their fleet. And especially, you know, the original series, I think, as well, has got a lot uh, more right-wing fans because a lot of the fans would have probably watched it when they were kids in the 60s when they weren't right-wing at all and then changed, you know, throughout the, the, the subsequent years. So, yeah, I mean, Star Trek's always going to have right-wing fans and there are right-wing characters in Star Trek Yeah, as well. yeah, and that's, you know, that's fine. But it, it's the ones on the, the who sort of veer further... I think the further right and who do go, it's yeah. so woke now and, and messages and things which have always been there. But at the same time, then there are going to be episodes like this, which just don't help things. Well, this episode, I think, suffers because of it at the same time, because of the lack of bothering to go into any kind of sub subject that would give it substance. It means that the villains aren't really villainous and you don't really care about what happens to them. They're also not posing a threat to the heroes at all and the heroes are just kind of there and even if the heroes didn't do anything you would never feel any impact of what happens there's absolutely nothing that happens that integrates with any character's personalities other than malcolm filling his quota of asking about the aliens guns that's like <laughs> it yeah nothing interesting happens at all to do with anyone 
realistically. No, I think what would have been better in this episode, and I think Star Trek has done this at other points as well, maybe, so perhaps that's why they didn't take this particular tack. But if that hunting ritual was a sacred thing, mm-hmm. like I know he says, oh, we've been doing this for nine generations, but it's never quite... I mean, the stakes, again, of them not coming back with whatever they were hunting should have been higher. Like, they should have been really pissed off because this could be, like, a big religious issue for this people. And it's the same kind of thing. It was sacrifice of animals under certain religions. It could have been quite sort of a moral quandary episode, akin to the episode that we watched a couple of weeks ago where there was that planet with the two different aliens, yeah. the Menks and the and the other guys. The Adopter. Which actually was pretty, you know, interesting in its setup. But this one just nothing. Like no depth to these aliens at all whatsoever. Yeah, uh, and th- throwing in aliens that are psychic and speaking to Archer in his head through this vision of an imaginary woman he dreamed up. No. We d- just have these hunters... I like your idea there, Matt. Make it a, a ritual thing for them that's, that's sort of very important to their culture and maybe have the creature that they're hunting be incredibly rare and on the brink of extinction. Much yeah. better story right there without any of the stupid imaginary woman bullshit. I, I mean, I'm not even 100% against the imaginary woman bullshit. I just think that it could have been done by order of magnitudes better. I, I, I kind of like the idea that the aliens could look attractive and you know like imagine just as this actually this is my idea for this episode all of the crew start seeing these creatures and they all are members of their family and somebody has to watch one of their members of their family get killed by one of these aliens like there's stakes in there that's a lot more interesting yeah Mm. just saying star trek you can always hire me you're listening (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> forget all the terrible things I said about you in the show <laughs> hey Berman and Braga are not in charge of Star Trek anymore I think you're okay oh, I, I was just talking to it as if it was a monolithic thing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I, I also feel like the rogue planet element is wasted here Yeah, there's that's a really interesting idea and a really cool thing to explore and then it just means jungle at night yeah it could have easily been a planet that was like tidally locked yeah. to its star. So you have one side that's always in the blazing sun, the other side that's always in the dark. And you could have had like this, it, it would, my episode would be called Planet of Twilight. And the, the jungles kind of exist around, you know, the sort of, uh, I don't know which axis there is, like the polar axis then of the planet. So they're just between the light and the dark zones where you can just about manage it. See, it's more interesting. The jungle would still be really big because... There would be, you know, depth to it. And it would they would have not wasted the whole premise of having a rogue planet, which, like you said, is really cool. And if somebody actually sat down and thought about what you could do with a rogue planet, you know, like Dr. Andy said, put some big fungus aliens on there. We'll we'll just vibe with that. We'll think of something. Apparently yeah. the idea of doing an episode with a rogue planet came actually from uh, Andre Bormanis, who I believe was the science consultant for the show at the time. And then they waste it on this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, because they mention it, and then it's not really brought up again after that, and serves no function in the episode other than explaining it's always night, so they can mm. hunt. Basically, yep. that's like I forgot it was a rogue planet. Like, yeah, I totally forgot about that premise until until we actually yeah started doing the the recording. But yeah, when when you do see an episode of of Strange New Worlds or Discovery title Planet of Twilight written by Matt Troy, you know where you heard that idea first. Yeah, you mm. do. Uh, see, I was sort of under the impression that a rogue planet would 
spin out of it because obviously it's gone out of its orbit around a, a star, assumedly, right? Mm. I assumed that it would spin out and break apart because it doesn't have the gravitational, the same gravitational pressure that it had in the orbit. But no, maybe wrong on that the, one. Or... The the mass and spin of the planet will keep it together. It could be destroyed, absolutely, but it, it depends on your know, mass density. It's got a magnetosphere, maybe all these kind of like scientific bits and pieces. But you know, the rogue planets do exist, and a lot of planets in our solar system have at one point or another been a rogue planet, like. I feel maybe that Mars was on a different orbit once and then got put where it is now by Jupiter. Jupiter went, oi, Mars. He went, you, Mars, you and Venus, I'm splitting you up. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you come come over me. (laughs) I'm going to put you next to Earth. Don't make a mess, right? (laughs) Don't don't you be going in that asteroid belt. Yeah, so it's definitely possible. Uh, you know, a lot of moons are captured, small rogue mm. planets as well. Like Jupiter takes out a lot of moons. It's got a little moon. Jupiter's orphanage. great. I love Jupiter as well. Yeah. It's the best planet. I read um, that Brian Cox and Andrew Cohen book, The Planets, and it was just like one of the best reads of my nerdy reading pleasures of the last <laughs> year, actually. It's fantastic. And you could totally tell which chapters were written by Brian Cox because it sounded like it was being read in his voice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't Jupiter brilliant? Was this a completely wasted episode then? I think so, yeah. Um, again, the, the the Archer imaginary lady bit felt to me like subpar original series. Just yeah, the way they did I had that. those vibes. Definitely. There was definitely a Kirk thing going on there, wasn't it? Yeah. You go to a planet and you somehow find a sexy lady. Yeah, and I can imagine at the end, Kirk doing the Yeats poem to Spock, my mum read me this. That feels very classic Trek to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a waste of everything. Waste of time, money, actors, my time, you know. <laughs> there are worse episodes of Enterprise, definitely. We've watched some, but yeah, yeah. just a waste. Nothing nothing will ever be as bad as the Temporal Cold War to me. Oh, oh, Elliot. You sweet so summer child. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what were any, everyone's highlights did, did anybody think there's any part of this episode that stuck out that you thought actually this was actually pretty good no or you know slightly good um i i enjoyed seeing the guy who played the alien with the good voice because i know him from angel as holtz the vampire hunter so that was nostalgic for me Ooh. yeah he's really good in angel yeah he was uh, like a highlight. he did try his best didn't he and he really did feel like like those groups of hunters that you sometimes see on TV shows as well. That's it. I think, actually, if I can pay this episode one compliment, it's that the the bad guys, we've talked about it a little bit already, but they didn't feel as arch or pantomime as bad guys on Enterprise before. They just felt like, you know, hunters, guys who that's what they do for fun. So, yeah, you're not going to have quite the same feeling with it you know i don't feel like i'd be one of them but they don't feel yeah. like necessarily bad people they're just different yeah absolutely and i think um oh jesus i've thought of another really good thing for my episode planet of twilight now as well <laughs> is that they think that their ancestors are on the planet and that's why they go there to have these hallucinations and maybe to like hunt people who are bad who they think need to be punished in the afterlife some kind of something like that 
I think it would be good. <laughs> yeah, I quite I did quite like the bit in the episode. I think the highlight for me was just the the bit where they all kind of hang out for a bit and have a couple of jokes and talk about how delicious the food is and share some booze. And I I, I did kind of enjoy that. I always enjoy those bits where there's a bit of a cultural exchange. Yeah, that uh, was that, good, that's except for Malcolm. Pretty much it. Yeah, Malcolm obviously was being an incorrigible nerd, <laughs> as always. That's Please Malcolm. Add. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, I was just going to say that there is so much that you could do with, you know, shape-shifting alien that takes the form of something from your past or whatever. And they touched on, like, 1% of what you can do with that. Oh, Elliot, are you saying that, the you know, shapeshifters, are, they, they have potential as far as Star Trek is concerned? In particular, shapeshifters that can become, you know someone that you know from your past is different from just, you know, if there's a shapeshifter out there that can just become things and can become a bear, I'm not going to let it into my house. Cut that bit, Patrick. We'll need that for later. (laughs) But if it can become a mum, it's a bit more of a danger. Just a, a random mum, not even necessarily our mum, just a mum. Well, I I was thinking my mum, but you know, any any mother would be able to get into their respective house. So, okay, I thought of another idea as well for this for my alternative retelling of this episode. About like five episodes ago, one of the crew member gets like sucked into some vortex. And it's it's ambiguous as to whether they're alive or not. Then this episode on this planet, that crew member reappears to like, you know, not Archer, but maybe like Travis or Trip, and it really messes with everyone's head because maybe this character was in love with this other character as well, and uh, then they're sort of like going absolutely berserk trying to stop. The, the aliens from killing them or maybe even sort of disproving what they don't want to believe. Wouldn't that have been a much better episode? Are you pitching for a whole season now? Yeah, it sounds like you're going to need good writers <laughs> and we just can't afford that. So I'm a good writer. Yeah, I'll let you on. <laughs> Elliot, you have to write an episode first and we'll, we'll judge it. If it's good, you can be on the team. Well, I can't I just do the music? That makes a lot more sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's like we were saying in a group chat um, the other day, Patrick, um, about how it would be good if, like, the first four episodes of Enterprise were that Archer wasn't allowed to leave Dry Dock, and they yeah. sent out another ship to take the Klingon back, and it disappeared, and then they had to go out and find it. And maybe they didn't find it for quite a while, but maybe occasionally they'd find a couple of the crew in, like, a slave market or something. You know, anything other than what we've got. Like, anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, have we finished pitching Planet of Twilight? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Will we ever? Yeah. Well, our next episode is Acquisition. Elliot, what does that say to you? Uh, that there will be an acquisition. There will be some of that. S- sort of, yes. What do you mean, sort of? Is it almost as if, you know, the title of a Rogue Planet episode will only, at the very beginning, mention a Rogue Planet and then not really feature that aspect for the next, like, 30 minutes? There's there's, there's some thematic threads. 
is is Trip just going to give Malcolm an acquisition in the opening and then it's just going to be about aliens? Let me put it this way. The word acquisition does mean something to long-time Star Trek fans. Oh, okay then. I'll shut the hell up. This is an episode... This next episode is one that we have disagreed on in the past, isn't it? It is, uh, but also one I haven't watched for a long time. So I think we might have some things to say. I don't think it's good, but I think we disagree on the fundamental principles of of who appears. So that'll be interesting (laughs) to talk about. I don't want to, you know, make anyone think it's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Our episode will be good. And in the meantime, all our details for socials are in the, not social events, that would be stupid, our social media presence, that's what I mean. Links for that are in the description of the episode. And (laughs) please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. We would appreciate that. And we will speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Very well. Bye, everyone. Welcome to the measure of a fan. Manner of a fan. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> what is happening? It's late on a Thursday. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm starting over. The menage of a fan. <laughs> but um, the other thing as well, um, which I've completely forgot where I was going to say now. Uh, oh, I've lost it. <laughs> it was something about the mushrooms. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.